We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app welcome to overnight america with ryan wrecker on kmox sponsored by michael's flooring the flooring experts michaelsflooringoutlet.com And welcome to Overnight America. All right. I am looking forward to spending these next couple of hours with you, just like I do every Wednesday. So a couple ways to reach the show if you want to call in or text in. The numbers are the same. You should have them embedded into your mind. If not, what I would recommend is purchasing a Sharpie pen and then writing it on your hand. Or maybe, and then what you would do is you put a layer of Gorilla Glue over it, and that way you know it's not going anywhere. Uh, 436-7900 or 800-925-1120. Are we still allowed to make Gorilla Glue references, or is that so cycled out of the news that it's not even worth our time anymore? We're going to have a nice guest a little bit later talking about World War II and some of the atrocities committed by the imperial leaders of Japan. These things normally get forgotten, uh, get forgotten. So we'll do that later this hour too, and lots of other things planned for you. I wanted to start off by a story that kind of got brushed right into the street, pun intended. Losing St. Louis mayoral candidate blames opponent for campaign trash left on the street. This one is something that to me is relatable to anyone. It doesn't have to be someone like Lewis Reed who ran. He's the aldermate president. He found himself in third place, which means he doesn't advance when it comes to the Democratic primary, and he will not be considered, at least uh, on the ballot, to be mayor of the city of St. Louis. I thought he would be the best of all the candidates that are up there. Char Jones is the one that got the most votes. Her and Kara Spencer will be up talking about uh, the April 6th general election. We'll have to do that some other time. But this story happens to be one where Lewis Reed tweeted and then later deleted the message was to Char- to Shara Jones that said, please come have your staff pick up the litter they decided to litter my street with. Myself and my neighbors do not appreciate the trash. And then he takes a picture and a video, I should say. And it's all of these flyers and things that are just scattered all over the place as if it was just thrown up in the air and left to go wherever they wanted. He um, apparently posted it this morning about 7.30 in the morning. It's the first public comments he made since his primary loss. And then later took it down. It doesn't look like he's been commenting on it. But I will say that anytime I receive a solicitation like that in my mailbox, you know, the first thing I look at it and I say, okay, it's a political something. It goes straight in the trash can. Does anyone look at those? Does anyone find themselves motivated by those? All they are are pieces of paper that are asking to be thrown on the ground and just discarded that way. 
And whenever you go to a public place, you always see these things all over. They're just thrown willy-nilly. There's no responsibility of the person that's handing them out. Now, even if they come through the mailbox, I get all kinds of flyers for stuff that I toss. I don't even read. Don't even bother giving it to me. It's as useless to me as a phone book being delivered to my house, which also goes straight to the trash. All the wasted paper for something like that. And he's right. You don't want to have to go down your neighborhood block and see trash everywhere because whoever was handing out these flyers was just like, here you go. And then they're just discarded, thrown in the wind because no one wants them. That's bad news. Then again, going door to door, what were they sticking them on mailboxes, sticking them on doors and the wind was taking them over? The people, the houses, the people that live there, they don't want responsibility of that piece of paper. They don't want to be the one to say, "Okay, you handed me something. You're basically telling me, can you throw this away for me? They don't want that. So I relate to this. I don't think he has to apologize. I don't think he has to do anything. Totally understand where he's coming from. Don't see it out of line. Another thing you can find uh, at KMOX.com, and you heard Sean Michael Isle bring it up at the top of the hour, Parkway North High School will be closing until the end of the month. It looks like they're going to be reopening on March 29th. That's a long way from now. March 29th is, let's see, one, two, three, four Mondays from now. Based on some positivity rates at the high school that are high, and what they're going to do is decide to uh, close it down And at least they hope that will make things a little bit better, uh, cool things down if things are getting a little bit hot. I haven't really heard of any other high school or schools in general that have had an issue with this. And this seems to be the first major one. I don't know if it has to do with high school sports, public gatherings, getting close to the end of the year. You know, uh, the rules starting to become a little bit more relaxed, meaning that the high school kids are finding themselves in situations where they're not uh, adhering to some of the guidelines. Maybe they're just tired of it. Maybe they're just tired of the way things have been going, and this is their way to rebel. They get together, and we find that it's pretty easy for this to be transmitted. Even if kids get it under a certain age, it's not that they can't be transmitted. It's just not transmitted as easily, and it's not that it it affects them as easy. It's that when you're in a higher risk pool and you're someone that's of older age, it seems that the side effects of it, comorbidities and such that could take over, you know, diabetes or whatever seem to really take hold of the body when you're older, but just not as much as when you're young. So maybe you're just not seeing it as much. I don't think it's a bad idea to be overly cautious with something like this, meaning that when you have a large outbreak at a high school, you close it down. Do you need four weeks? I don't know if you need four weeks. Maybe they just feel that's the the right thing to do because they think if they did anything less, it would be public backlash. The high school kids, for the most part, have been doing more virtual than the younger kids. It seems to be the middle school, the elementary school, preschool age. Those are the ones that have been getting more time in class lately because, hey, they've been they found a way to do it safely. I just hope that there's not a lot of these instances coming out just when you're starting to move in the right direction. They push it right back. I would hate to see that happen because these kids deserve to be in class. These kids deserve to have at least a little bit of normalcy towards the end of their school year. They deserve to try to catch up as much as they can because they're not going to any other way. This virtual stuff is just not cutting it. We know that. And they shouldn't have to try to force it because, uh, oh, given the circumstances, we're doing our best. Yeah, sure. But your best is still going to push them far behind. Looks like it says all North High School students uh, will participate in uh, asynchronous learning tomorrow, March 4th and Friday the 5th. Then students will participate in distance learning with teachers online. So 
if I know that correctly, the asynchronous is basically here's your assignments, go do it independently. Uh, we'll be able to maybe post a review or something along the lines from a teacher in the morning. You look at what it is and say, okay, here's everything I got to do today. Just check everything off the list and have yourself a good day. Go get yourself a McFlurry after that and treat yourself nice. If you're in high school and can drive, maybe even a 7-Eleven slushy would be nice. A Slurpee would be great. So when we come back, there was a big story on Fox 2 with uh, Sam Page and his administration wanting to hire lobbyists from out of town. How much money are they spending? That's a question because the You Paid For It segment with Elliot Davis had $150,000 of your tax money being spent on lobbyists in order for Sam Page to say he deserves all the power, which is absolutely ridiculous and should be criminal. Now, KMOV said tonight they're going to be doing a story on their news, their nightly news. And that number's a lot higher than $150,000. So we're going to talk about that coming up. If you haven't heard this story, you've got to hear it. The You Paid For It segment, Elliot Davis is on fire. This was NBA Jam. You'd have Dick Vitale saying, you're on fire, because he has been putting out excellent work right now. This does not look good for the Page administration in the county. We'll tell you why right after the break on Overnight America KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. Yes. Thanks for uh, just hanging out with us. Really, that's all you need to do. I'll do the heavy lifting. Don't worry about it. Fox 2 and Elliot Davis did a whole great segment on some of the money that's been going out when it comes to the county with Sam Page, the county executive. We've talked to all kinds of people about it, and our watchdog Tom Sullivan is so good at documenting these things. But how much money has been spent? Questionable when it comes to the county and COVID. With the last stimulus money that came in to help some of the localities, was it a $2 million permanent morgue they decided to build in our city that we don't even know is being used? What was going on there? We had money being distributed that we wondered, why are they spending tens of thousands of dollars to install flat screen TVs with Wesley Bell's office? What is up with that? What? So why does that qualify for COVID spending? They're renting entire wings of hotels just so they can have those when you could have done exactly what the city did with, I don't know, offer vouchers if someone needed them. Let's say there was a first responder or someone in the city that needed to quarantine because they were exposed in the line of duty. Then you would have that courtesy to them so they weren't be out of pocket if they had to separate from their family. Well, you don't have to rent an entire hotel because it wasn't even being used. And the last time it was looked at, it was being used for the homeless. They're giving these vouchers to the homeless to stay at the hotel. That's just a small amount of money that is questionable when it came to fighting COVID. And now we're looking at another round of spending with uh, Senate, which could even approve something in the next couple of weeks, which could send more money to localities. And you have Sam Page in this case is thinking to himself, well, I want to be able to spend that how I want without the county meddling and telling me, no, you're, you, this is a bad idea. It's actually pretty disgusting to think that as someone that's a county executive, you want to do things with, with, um, with no authority from anyone else, meaning if they find objection in the county council as a governing body would say, we want some input on the way this money is being spent. And you have the county executive that says, no, that won't be necessary. I want to do it myself with very little oversight or in some cases questionable or no oversight whatsoever. We need the county council to get involved back with that again, and they want to be able to take it back over. So in order to prevent that from happening, you have Sam Page 
who is apparently hiring lobbyists from out of town in order to try to make it so he can continue to have the power that was put to a vote during the last county council when the members of the county council voted it to him. I think a lot of the county council members have since regretted that. They want to go and change it so they're no longer out left in the dark and have no idea how this money is being spent. Sam Page doesn't want that. Now, let's fast forward to Elliot Davis and his latest of you paid for it. And how much money is being spent for lobbyists? This is a good question that needs to be answered. Spending $150,000 of your tax dollars for as many as six lobbyists who push against the legislation to weaken his power. Missouri Republican Senator Bob Onder from St. Charles County is sponsoring the legislation. He doesn't think much of Page hiring all those lobbyists. I, I, I think it's really a waste of taxpayer money. Yeah, no kidding. $150,000 taxpayer money for him to use it in order to keep his political interests in the forefront. This is not something that has any public interest. Hiring these lobbies has nothing to do with actually fighting COVID. All it does is give him the opportunity to spend your taxpayer money for something that is selfish, which is trying to keep him and trying to grab and keep as much power as possible. This is bad news to me. I, I look at this and say, this should be criminal what he's doing right now. This should not be allowed. Hundreds and hundreds of waitresses and cooks and bartenders and hostesses have lost their jobs. And yet we're spending $12,000 a month on lobbyists in St. Louis County. I think it's really ridiculous. Senator Under, is he the only? How bad is it that they have to hire lobbyists and why would he think that's appropriate to do so? Uh, what's the point of a county hiring lobbyists when they have an entire council which essentially should be lobbying for your county's best interest. Part of the job of the county council should be to say, we want to put our best self forward and we want to put the best policies in order to help our people the most. We are the lobbyists for our own county, right? You shouldn't be hiring outsiders in order to try to influence other people in order to keep you on the throne. This is ridiculous. Senator Onder isn't the only one scratching his head over this deal. County Councilman Tim Fitch is also left with questions. And I think it's an absolute abuse of tax dollars. By the That's the right way to put it. It is an abuse of tax dollars. By the hardworking people of St. Louis County. So he's got $150,000 in that account uh, for professional services that we thought would be used for consultants, like, for example, with the problems at the jail, as opposed to hiring lobbyists in Jefferson City to fight against the council to have authority to oversee his health rules. Oh, and that's on top of the other money spent to lawyers to fight the council to begin with. When he tried to argue that someone that was on the council whose term ended should have been able to vote after their term ended. Ridiculous. Even on the surface, it's stupid. And a judge has to step in and rule. No, uh, after your term is over and you're no longer an elected official, you don't get to vote as if you're an elected official, period. That to me seems like common sense, but no, we got to hire lawyers, spend more tax money to fight the county council on that too, because you want to stay on top of your throne. This is ridiculous. This is nonstop with in the county. We go back and look at all of the abuses of Steve Stanger, the abuses that eventually had the federal government investigating him, the abuses that took him to court and the abuses that ended up landing him in a federal prison where he sits today. You would think that trying to push things under the radar of the county council, doing things in your own way, in your own best interest, would be out of style when the person 
directly before you sitting in a federal prison in all of these things, trying to slip these things in here. We're going to put a fund in here. We're going to spend the lobbyists. We're just going to spend more tax money here. And this doesn't even begin to account for the questionable activity of him continuing to have a side job. He's continuing to have a side job, which is totally against the county charter, but he still does it anyway. All of these things laid out. You got to be kidding me with all of this nonstop. Why, why, why are we putting up with this? Honestly, in the county, this should not be happening. Uh, I don't know. There, there shouldn't be. There should not be any question when it comes to should there be oversight for spending of COVID money? If you think the answer is, yeah, there should be some oversight. We should know how it's being spent. We should know that it's not being put into an account and then just being the, the discretion of the county executive on using it to lobby in order to try to uh, push the opinions of the rest of the council that does not agree with you. This is ridiculous. Total waste of money. Now, the $150,000 that is brought up during this Fox 2 story, also in question tonight because there was a tweet earlier today. Uh, Chris Nagus over at KMOV apparently is going to be doing a story tonight, and they say it's going to be on the 10 o'clock news. And Benjamin Brown on Twitter said he was interviewed as part of this, and he believes that millions of the CARES Act dollars went out of state to consulting firms. Millions of dollars out of state. So this is on top of, now I don't know this story yet, but considering we're talking about lobbyist in-state for the one Elliott Davis story, were we spending millions of our coronavirus dollars that is meant to help this area, help the people of this area, and help keep those people of the area safe and healthy, that money was being used not to do that? We got 70-some million dollars from the government in order to fight this. How fast did they burn through it, and how much of it went to actually fighting COVID? This is bad, bad news. Why do we stand for this? Honestly, this is ridiculous. So I can't wait to see the KMOV story tonight. I really think it's going to be uh, eye-opening for a lot of different people. And really, this needs to stop, all right? I mean, who'd support, who supports Sam Page right now other than Sam Page cronies that he put on the payroll that are underqualified but somehow continue to find themselves getting money from taxpayer uh, dollars? I mean, is that the only support he has right now, the ones that he can pay off or buy off or put into positions where they're on the county payroll? All right, when we come back, I want to cover a, a bit of history that seems to get pushed under the rug an awful lot. It's a book called Pieces of Wood. He's an author and a historian. His name is Kenneth James Moore, and he looks at some of the atrocities performed against women by the imperial Japanese uh, Japanese rulers during World War II. So we're going to get to that right after the break. Look at your weather coming up, too, on Overnight America KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. 
You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Cardinal spring training is underway in Jupiter, Florida. And KMOX's Mike Claiborne is covering it all. Hear his daily reports, mornings and afternoons. And on Cardinals Open Live, sponsored in part by T.R. Hughes Homes. I'm your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back. It's Overnight America. Thanks for spending this time with us. Do I really need to thank you this much? Ah, it just shows you how grateful I am for you. Aw. He's the author of a book called Pieces of Wood, and inside of it, it's historically accurate, but it does tell a story, which he's here to uh, talk about tonight. Kenneth James Wood, thanks for coming on to KMOX. Hi, Ryan. It's Kenneth James Moore, but please call me Ken. Moore. Thank you. I said (laughs) Kenneth James Wood, (laughs) mixing it up with the title of your book, Pieces of Wood. Okay, Kenneth James Moore. Uh, Thank you for spending the next half hour with us. So I know you've done a lot of research into World War II, and I think people don't really start the history of Japan until after World War II, after the bombings um, from the United States. But during that time of World War II, there were a lot of terrible crimes being committed by the imperial Japanese rulers leading up to that, that I think a lot of people don't know unless they're historians. So things like this are important to document, to look back in and, and learn as part of our history. So I'm glad that you decided to use this as part of the backdrop of your book to try to tell the story. Well, thank you for that. And that's exactly the case. It's, uh, you know, I'm a baby boomer. I grew up in the fifties and sixties and, you know, we were inundated with the, the Nazis and German warfare, et cetera. And but every once in a while, maybe a peek at the Imperial Japanese, but the Imperial Jap- Japanese were far and exceed far exceeded the uh, the Nazis just geographically or geopolitically speaking. The the Nazis made it to, uh, you know, Stalingrad and to the beaches of Normandy. Uh, the Imperial Japanese basically swept half of the globe and had planted the. Uh, themselves in, in Alaska and had plans to uh, attack uh, uh, the United States uh, at um, in San Diego. So it's, uh, mm. that was called the. Uh, 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 you'll come to me in a second. I'm sorry, it just eluded me. But the uh, yeah, it was yeah, it was, major, it was a major part. Yeah, of, I was going to say. Uh, yeah, World War Two. When you go back and study it, there's so much fascination. With World War II, and normally when you talk about history, that seems to be the most popular thing people gravitate towards. They always want to go back and look at the actions of Nazi Germany. But during the same years in World War II, there's a lot of other things going on in Japan being one of them. I mean, they had internment camps and they were doing some pretty terrible atrocities to different people that they were uh, taking as part of prisoners of war. They were invading and going into other parts of the world, too. Obviously, their story doesn't start with the bombing of Pearl Harbor. It starts way before that. However, we don't ever talk about that side of it and the terrible things that Japan was doing leading up to that moment well that's exactly the case and that's that's the reason for the book but the 
it is an uh, international crime thriller, but I I have inserted all the, the those horrific events that uh, uh, that the Imperial Japanese undertook, and it's uh, essentially from 1937 through 1945, uh, they the Imperial Japanese killed mercilessly. 20 million Chinese civilians. And then mm. from there, they went to Korea, Philippines, and again, all the way over to Alaska and um, uh, down, our, down, our, down on our um, Pacific coastline. So um, it, uh, what do you it think? Was, uh, yeah. like, when you go back and look at that, why do you think we ignore that? Is it just that we're so hyper-focused on Hitler and the Nazis that we, we can only focus on one thing at a time? Um, because I, I know a lot of historians know about this and people that have since <laughs> learned about World War II, but generally speaking, I don't think the broad amount of people today realize the the true horrific things that went on with Japan prior to the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Uh, yeah, the, uh, I did, it just dawned on me. It's called Cherry Blossoms at Night. It was a uh, a German uh, germ attempt that was going to be pulled off on um, on, on in San Diego, but uh, it uh, the war ended and therefore they backed down. But uh, uh, this this was of epic proportion and yeah again the nazis got so far but these people dominated half of the globe mm. the, it's something that uh whenever you see the different maps you see the spread of nazi germany as it starts to invade countries you never see any of the uh, the maps that focus on the japan side of things so let's talk about it in pieces of wood sure. uh, you write about the atrocities performed against women by the imperial Japanese rulers there. Uh, so that part of it, um, why that as a part of the storyline? Well, from the Japanese standpoint, it was imperial Japanese standpoint. It was prag it was pragmatic. Uh, they could kill the men on, on the battlefield, but uh, they wanted to conquer other parts of the world. I mean, they are just a tiny little island. Um, they have uh, very little natural resources. A uh, good 80% of Japan proper uh, is uh, essentially uninhabitable. Um, it, uh, it's not applicable for you know, residential or commercial use, and therefore they needed to get off that little piece of land and take over other, other countries. So if they're doing that, and they're fighting against the men on the battlefield. Who's going to put up the resistance when they, you know, walk on somebody else's soil? It'd be the women and the, uh, the women uh, who produce the, uh, their offspring. And they wanted to eliminate that. It, again, it was from their standpoint, pragmatic. It was it's barbaric beyond anything conceivable by Western man, but made sense to them. And they, they did that. Uh, yeah. I I wonder for your ability to tell this story, why did you decide to go the route of, you know, using this as a, you know, historical fiction, as in it's accurate, the, the crimes and things that you talk about, the reference points, but you decide to write it in a way that's more storytelling that that follows um, that doesn't follow it like a 
history book would. So why did you decide to go one route as opposed to just going straight and writing a, a history book? It took me a year to make that decision, frankly. Um, it, I ruminated on it considerably, but I, it needed to be digestible. It needed to be something that people could wrap their heads around. How many people actually pick up a textbook or would go as to the point where I went to, to go to the United Nations, to go to the Harvard Law Reviews, uh, Hastings Law Review. These people sat at the Ziyat in 1995, the Ziyat being the Japanese parliament, as uh, men who served in World War II were brought before the parliament uh, on, at the bequest of the United Nations, and they confessed or they uh, confessed might be a bit uh, a bit much, but they um, they redressed their World War II issues. And to find that stuff, you're not just going to go over and pull a, a book off the shelf. You have to go and dig deep. And what in my world, I was poli sci major, international relations studies, um, and I was taught how to go and find those what we call first generation, uh, mm -hmm. something that was recorded at a specific time and not passed through, um, well, passed through novels, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, uh, you know, ha was the actual substance of the, um, of the crimes. And I highlight uh, the United Nations and the Hastings Law Review, Harvard Law Review, the 1990s, mid 1990s when they were uh, when this took place and uh, uh, that's in the back of the novel by the way so I, yeah. basically it is a novel per se but I highlighted a uh, considerable number of the hard evidence right citations yeah. of where you came across this just so people can go back and find about it yeah. it's uh, themselves so in uh, the book pieces of wood in author kenneth james moore joining us here on overnight america when you decided to write this let me just make sure is this set in the late 1970s where um the kids are starting to learn more about their father's involvement in world war ii i think that that, that played a, a role but uh, uh I, I happened upon um this woman who was the very first fbi female allowed to carry a gun on her hip. She was really cool. And I, I met her inadvertently, and it, in, uh, it impressed upon me um, numerous aspects, but essentially that uh, mm -hmm. uh, this, this was something of, uh, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't think I just lost track of your question. No, no, that's sorry. fine. Where did you actually meet her? Uh, I actually met her in Washington, D.C. Oh, cool. How old is she now? I'm not even sure if she's alive, to be honest with you. Oh, I see. So this is some time ago you met her. It wasn't just recently. Um, yeah, it was in the 70s. Right. Okay, so this goes back. Oh, how long have you been sitting on this idea, then, if this this actual meeting <laughs> you had goes back to the 70s? Well, it actually goes back much further than that, because when I was eight years old, I promised my mom that I would find what happened to her youngest brother, my, 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 my uncle Billy, who disappeared, who, quote, vanished without a trace, unquote, on March 24th, 1945. Well, in the process of doing that, 
uh, we came across, we, my, my associate and I, came across these ovens, which is edified in the novel. And uh, uh, so it, mm-hmm. studying the uh, imperial Japanese has been something I've essentially done all my life, you know, all my yeah. adult life. I found that a lot of times when you talk to veterans from World War II, and it's so difficult now because so many of them are now past, but in the in yeah. one that you you talk to family members that said, you know, I had a uncle, I had a dad, anything that may have served, and then they find out things after their passing they had no idea because they never talked about it. They never shared their story. Uh, maybe they just didn't want to. Maybe it, it just wasn't a comfort thing. Maybe they wanted to leave it behind, the, the things that they witnessed, and they didn't want to revisit it for their own mental health. But it's like that. It's hard to find those stories because so little of it has been documented on a personal level. I mean, on a grand scale, we have historians that look at the events, but on an individual level for members of our own family, it's very difficult to track these things. Well, that's, that's exactly the case, Ryan. And, uh, uh, it, uh, I, I kind of hold uh, a degree of of, uh, of contempt. Uh, I'm using that word carefully, but so many I talked to so many uh, veterans over the years and um, received their um, their their understanding of things. But it's just it because I have some degree of relationship with them. They were more forthcoming to me. But I had so many run-ins with family members who were very upset with me because they thought I was taking advantage of, of dad or, or, or even mom wow. in some cases. But uh, uh, when I was able to sit with them and, and kind of get a, a grasp, because their kid can't really get a grasp of what dad did, but I did because I had the knowledge and you know, the academic background to uh, to pursue a reasonable conversation with them. And I, I was able to get a lot out of it, but it was very yeah. hard because as you indicated, it's, it's, uh, you know, they don't really want to remember. They don't want to have to relive, but if you dig down deep enough with them, they will be forthcoming and, it, and it's, it's difficult. So I do find a bit of contempt with some of them because they really need to tell their story. And that's what kind of what this is about. The pieces of wood, tells a story that is otherwise would not be told. I mean, there's just frankly, uh, if I may just continue to elaborate a bit, um, we, we, there's no room under the rug anymore to, to hide atrocities, to, for mankind to feel that, oh, we, we can't share this with the world. By God, it's got to be shared. Everything has to be pursued and it has to be transparent. We have to see what happened in the past so it doesn't happen again and you know right. history does repeat no, I, th- you are very right about that so pieces of wood is the name of your book and if people wanted to find it what's the best place to look www.piecesofwood.net perfect and kenneth james moore do you mind holding on after the break we'll talk more no i'm be happy to thank yeah. you do a search for him in Pieces of Wood uh, on the horrific atrocities uh, performed during World War II by Japan. We're going to continue to look at that story right after the break on Overnight America KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com on KMOX. 
He's the author of Pieces of Wood, which you can find online. Kenneth James Moore. Thank you for coming on to KMOX. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you very much for having me, sir. So a lot of this is focusing on Japan, but do you look at all the United States' involvement in World War II as part of this book? Do I look for U.S. involvement? I'm sorry, one more time, please. Right. So uh, mostly I know that uh, you're, you're, you're discovering things as part of this book. They're uncovering things about family members as part of the narrative of this book, and you're using this as uh, a, a way to bring out the, the history of World War II, in particular when it comes to things that happen with Japan rule. I'm wondering if the book is primarily focused on that, or do you also look at some of the involvement of the United States during World War II? Is that part of the narrative of your book? In terms of, of war crimes, the United States did not really participate oh, in not per- grand. Okay. In, not in not grand- particularly about war crimes, just in general, just on the historical standpoint, is, is there certain things that you bring up about the United States, or is this solely focused on that region of Japan and what they were doing during that time? Well, I like to think the book is actually focused on violence against women. I mean, that's really the... the the, uh, the the overlying theme, if you will, in uh, mm-hmm. violence against women. Uh, obviously, it's been going on since you know man walked the earth. But uh, I think it reached uh, its apex uh, in by way of Imperial Japan in the 20th century in modern times. And I think it's uh, uh, something that ha- ha- violence against women is something that's disturbed me for quite some time. And when when I was looking for my uncle, uh, my uncle's aircraft, we were looking through the Mariana Archipelago, uh, and we heard rumors of a of a uh, a B twenty nine, which was the same uh, aircraft my uncle was flying, at the top of a uh, an inactive volcano. So we went looking for it, and um, I actually crawled into. Uh, a refractory oven. Uh, these ovens were built in 1931, uh, prior to World War II, obviously, uh, to rid of to rid the uh, to rid the world of anyone who wasn't Japanese. The Japanese mm. they weren't really really willing to compromise. They didn't want anybody else on the earth. If you weren't Japanese, you had to be eliminated. And that's what these refractory ovens were. When I crawled into one, I actually thought it was the belly of a B-29. It turned out to be something quite the opposite. And that's where we discovered this this plaque that said there were 5,000 people destroyed uh, in these ovens. And then I had a... uh, uh, an interview with a gentleman from Chicago who was a Marine captain at the time and was the, uh, the man the, who came to the ovens the day after uh, a horrific uh, number of people were, uh, I don't have to use the term, barbecued there. And uh, he said that for what he saw, they were mostly women. And oh, it, wow. it's, descri- it's described in the novel. And... Uh, he uh, he made a point of. Well, let's go ahead. 
I was going to say, let's make sure people know where they can find this in your work. So piecesofwood.net, is that the best place for people right. to go? If you go to dot, dot com, right. you're going to go into a woodworking uh, factory. It's uh, <laughs> a little bit different. And, and yeah. you look at some of the atrocities performed by Japan during World War II and author Kenneth James Moore. Thank you so much for spending time with us tonight on KMOX and bringing some history to the audience. Thank you. Okay, my pleasure. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. Yeah, a lot of uh, history that swept under the rug during World War II that we either choose to ignore or we're so focused on the Nazis during World War II, we completely forget about all the terrible things that Japan was doing leading up to and involving the before the involvement of the United States, I should say, leading up to the end of the war. All right. Uh, joining us next, we're going to talk to the Institute of Free Speech about the election reform bill that everyone's talking about on Overnight America KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 